What's up, folks? This is Justin, and this is the Welcome to Your Doom Show. This is episode number 31, and Uttal and I are discussing the Christmas musical zombie horror, soon-to-be classic, hopefully, Anna and the Apocalypse. The film is a Scottish film. It was first debuted at Fantastic Fest, where Uttal actually got to watch the film and party around a little bit with some of the crew, which was kind of cool. The film was great. Uh, we'll go into it a lot more deeply into the podcast, so hope you enjoy it. We did this episode via Skype, so the recording quality of both of our mics is a little bit less than ideal. It's a little echoey and there's some background noise, but you get the general gist of the podcast, so apologies on that. Also, if you haven't done so already, check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash welcome to your doom. We've got our Drinking with Skeletons series on there. We just released episode two, and it's a lot of fun. And we will have episode three coming out towards the end of the December time frame. Anywho, that's all the announcements I've got. Let's get this episode started. This is Anna in the Apocalypse. Ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to your doom. Folks, we're here, we're back. It's episode number 31 of the Welcome to Your Doom Show. I am your producer, Justin. Because I'm sick of being called an assistant on this shit. You bastard. You're only, you're only the assistant on, on the video game ones. That's that's the only time you're the assistant. That's it. Really? On Why? These, you can be... I, I haven't really figured that one out yet. <laughs> I haven't... It's only because only on the video game ones have I done like the nicknaming and the assistant thing. So like yeah. I think I'm just gonna stick with that for no good reason. Like I, I just feel it. like that's that's the way we're going. What's uh, up, man? Uh not much, man. Keeping busy. How about yourself? Since the last time I saw you, I like literally tw- twenty four hours ago. <laughs> yeah, we saw this movie uh, that we're about to review. But before before we jump into that. Um, uh, there was a piece of news I wanted to go over. Something I saw today that made me really happy. There is a there is a Predator Christmas special. I don't know if you saw it. There's a trailer for a Predator Christmas special that's done in the classic stop motion animation, like Frosty the Snowman, Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer no style. Way. That's coming out, and it's going to be playing with I guess BoJack Horseman, which I've never I've never watched that show. I heard it's really good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I saw the trailer and it's really funny. It's like this like reindeer that, and they're putting up some tree outside with an elf and the reindeer, like the three predator dots go on the reindeer and the reindeer freaks out, pushes him aside, pulls out a mini gun. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's really funny. So I think it's going to be really good. It's a little short film. I can't imagine it would be more than five or six minutes long, but it's a stop motion thing. Oh, hell. And I think it's to promote the, the predator Blu-ray release. So I think that's really cool, sort of like geek fueled holiday treat for. for oh, there goes the video. <laughs> <laughs> the pre- predator fans. Oh. Let's let's just keep talking while yeah. I. Oh my God! It's a disaster. Jesus Christ! It's just, just like falling apart. It's okay. It's okay. I got it. All right. Calm under pressure. So calm under pressure. It's gonna yeah. be on BoJack Horseman, or it's its own mini special, and is it on Netflix? I'd imagine it's on Netflix exclusively, right? No, no, no. It's it's. 
it's BoJack Horseman. It's the it's on that TV show, and I think it's just playing like as a little short thing before the show or something okay, like that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So how do I watch this? So, do I go on YouTube? Do I watch it on Netflix? Not a clue. Not a clue. You have to watch BoJack Horseman. Haven't you been listening to me? God damn it. You watch BoJack Horseman. All right. Where's Where's BoJack Horseman air? I think it's... Uh, is it Cartoon Network? What, what time? No, I'm pretty sure it's Netflix. I could be wrong about that, though, completely, though. I know it is on Netflix. I don't know if it's exclusively a Netflix show. Okay, quick edit, just because I want to clear this up. BoJack Horseman was originally a Netflix series... And then in July of 2018, it was picked up also by Comedy Central for the linear television rights to the series. So you can actually catch BoJack Horseman on Comedy Central, seemingly according to my Wikipedia research. Anyways, back to the show. Oh, BoJack Horseman's on yeah, Netflix? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, at least here right. in, in the Canadas. Yeah. We yeah. do things a little bit differently uh, up here. <laughs> Yeah, so definitely, like, I'll try and seek that out. I don't know exactly how to watch it, but I just caught the, the trailer and it was really funny. So, uh. Random tangent. Did you ever see Archie versus the Predator? I never actually read the book. I saw it in, like, the, a the, Barnes the and Noble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no. No, I didn't. It looks. And, but it does look interesting. Yeah, I've got to check that out at some point. I, I, like, I flipped through some of the pages and I'm like, what the? F-? Like, I didn't expect what I was looking at. Like, people are getting dismembered. Like, it's gory as hell. Yeah, yeah. Archie. I yeah. was like, huh? They should do that on the CW show, Riverdale. And just have, like, the Predator... That just have the Predator show up? Guest star and start <laughs> mutilating everybody. It'd be it's a just... <laughs> much more entertaining show. Not that I've seen a lot of yeah. it. Yeah. What, uh, what, uh, um, what color is the Predator's blood again? Very green. Oh, that was... That was good. Good job there. <laughs> Oh, I'm feeling a little festive, Justin. Oh my god, is this happening right now? Are you doing this? <laughs> For those of you that <laughs> are just thinking. listening, my idiot partner <laughs> is just changing the color of the lights in his room. So now it looks like Sorry. he's in a blue room. Um, I was thinking of going a little magenta. How about this? Is this? Is I will this disconnect this call. <laughs> stop it. You stop. Okay. All right. All right. Sorry. So, small, small, what movie are we talking about today, my friend? I'll let you you introduce it a little bit because you'd already seen right. the film. Yeah, you saw the world yeah, that's premiere. Right. So, yeah, I did. I did. Um, this movie's called Anna and the Apocalypse, and it is uh, a movie I saw last year uh, in at a Fantastic Fest in 2017. So uh, that was the world premiere, and the cast was there and the director was there and uh, I was looking up the director's name and I couldn't find it. And, Oh yes. John McPhail. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and the cast were there just reading off some of the, the people I remember being there for sure were Ella Hunt, like the main, the main star. Yeah. Um, Malcolm coming and uh, Christopher Laveau. So Malcolm coming plays John and Christopher Laveau plays, uh, plays Nick and uh, we'll get into who those characters actually are later. But yeah. it was a lot of fun. Um, the movie played like gangbusters, like in the theater, like a lot of uh, a lot of people laughing and sort of screaming and kind of like a lot of it was very energetic. And it really did come out of nowhere. There was no previews for the movie, no trailers, nothing. I knew nothing about this movie when it was when it was coming out. It was just a movie I signed up to watch. It looked really interesting. And it was a Christmas 
zombie horror musical comedy thing. And it was just this conglomerate of all of these things that we kind of love separately, but all smashed together. And you kind of, um, you know, I was like, oh, of course I'm going to watch that. And it actually, uh, it played really well there. And then it was really cool after that. It got to kind of party with the cast and, you know, uh, hit the bar at the Alamo Draft House there, the highball, I think it's called. And it was a lot of fun. I got some pictures. Maybe we could put those up along with the post at some point. Sure. But, um, but yeah, no, they, and they were, it was obvious that they were having like the time of their lives. Yeah. You know, like they were just... They were just loving it. It was, it was great. There was a lot of love there after the show. A lot of people loved the movie. And um, yeah, and since then, I just seen it was kind of like in distribution limbo. They were looking for, you know, distribution and they finally got it. And now it's playing in limited release and it was playing in Toronto. And I'm like, hey, if I'm going to give my money to a movie, um, you know, just to sort of support them because I enjoyed it the first time around, I, I figured this was the one to do it with. So, and that's kind of why I suggested seeing this and it's the right time of year. You know, we're in December. Yep. And uh it's and it technically a Christmas movie. So among amongst other things. Right. The best thing things. when I describe the movie to people and I just say it's a Christmas zombie musical. And they just are they're looking at me like you just said three words that don't co what? Huh? That's right. Who? You didn't just say three random things. You said three things that are in a single package yeah. uh, in, in the film. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, it was uh, – that, that's – I think that's the big draw for the movie. Do you want to jump into sort of our initial non-spoilery thoughts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I sure. – overall, I like the film. Um, I was surprised at, at times how sad it could be. There's a lot of drama in yeah. this film. Like. You know, yeah, you you you, yeah. you go for kind of the horror bits and the comedy bits that come with it being a musical and how ironic that all mm -hmm. is. But like, there's mm -hmm. a lot of heart wrenching moments in it that like, like I are. I legitimately came to tears almost twice in the film. And yeah, it, like, was a... not not even not even exaggerating. Granted, I find in my old age that I am becoming more emotional just at a movies. Cry baby. Yeah, absolutely. You're just but, a uh, cry baby. But man, it, there was a couple of things in in this film that almost got me for sure. Um, the musical yeah. numbers were all really well produced. Everybody put in a good performance. Um, there are three people in it that every time I saw them on screen, I couldn't help but think of other actors or actresses. So the woman, right. uh, the the woman that played Anna, she, stop that. <laughs> the woman that played Anna, um, she looked to me very much like a young Anne Hathaway. And every time I looked yeah. at her, that's all I could see. And I mean, that's a, an ex like that's a compliment to her in both, you know in both her looks and the way that she performed. She was, she was exceptional. I really, really dug her performance. Um, the girl that played Steph looked like a young Scarlett Johansson or Johansson. Uh, that's a, it's that's a, a, might be a stretch, but if you look again with that, with that lens on, you might see it, especially yeah, with the short right. hair. I think that might also have uh, kind of, uh, enhanced that, that, that comparison for me. Yeah. And then the last one was, right. um, Savage. He looks like if Gary Oldman and Bill Nye he had a baby, and then yeah, rolled the around. Yeah, about. the principal, and then rolled around in Yeti fur, like just fucking <laughs> face dives into like a Yeti's back with like glue on his face. Um, yeah. Every time I looked at him, all I could think of was like, this guy's putting in a great performance, but goddamn, I wish it was Bill Nye. There's just something very Nye-ish. That's true about him. That's like, true. Bill Nye would have would have crushed that. Oh, of course. That but I mean, that's not role. to take anything away from the guy that played Savage. He, uh, I can't remember his name, I, but uh, he he put in a hell of a performance too. 
It's just, yeah. I've got a special place in my heart for Bill Nighy at all times. Yeah, that's right. Um, and I think, you know why I think you might think that? Is that Bill Nighy is in the Cornetto trilogy, uh, and the first of which is Shaun of the Dead. Yes. He's in all of them. Yeah. And he, uh, and this is this has got shades of, like, Shaun of the Dead. Absolutely. So... So I think you may be sort of subconsciously connecting those two movies and being like, Bill Nighy needs to be in here. No, I'm subconsciously connecting them because this guy looks like Bill Nighy. He's got the <laughs> he's got the long like like uh, like cricket type features. Like he's just very long and yeah, gangly, yeah. and he's just very up and proper, and he's got yeah. kind of this hiss when he talks. There's something about him yeah. that just is just screams Nighy to me, and I like it. I like it a lot. That. That actor is actually, uh, he played, I think he played, um, I don't, you don't watch Game of Thrones, I don't think. He's, he he's is in Game of Thrones. Game of... I checked out his IMDb. Yeah. The guy's got a f- long list of stuff. Tons yeah, of yeah. stuff. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, and I've definitely seen him before. Um, yeah, he, and the fact that his name is Savage and he's such an evil character, it's like one of those Sinestro or Doctor Doom scenarios where they're like, "All right, let's just think of the most evil name we can give this guy." Yeah. Um, but uh, no, he. Yeah, I think I mostly agree with like your entire assessment. I I love the movie. I saw it for the second time with you the other night, and I liked it again. And uh, since then, they've actually released the soundtrack, and I've been listening to the soundtrack. And there are a couple of choice songs there. That actually, there's one song that really stands out, and we'll get to that in a minute. But. Nice. But uh, but yeah no I think that the direction is on point I think it doesn't look like a cheap movie you know even though it was all, it was on a budget it's just it's beautifully shot they really made the most of the money they had with the sets that they had with the with the and and they don't chimps out on like so we're talking about the music and the dancing and the numbers and stuff which you mentioned were all very well produced but let's talk about the gore for a second there's a lot of like choice gore moments in this movie that man they don't shy away from it right so um so and in the, so anyone who likes zombie movies will like this movie and i think anyone who likes musicals will like this movie and my wife actually Shagu, she didn't want to see the movie initially and i saw it and then i told her to go see it after so she saw a separate screening of it then on another day of the festival because i'm like look man don't don't skip this movie because you don't like scary movies you should watch this movie because i think you're gonna like it and and that's and she came out and she did like it so i think that just speaks volumes to to how wide the audience is for this movie it really does you talk about christmas zombie musical and you think you're like, oh, this movie's going to be totally fucking all over the place. Yeah. The thing that surprised me the first time I watched it was it's actually hitting every major note in all of those categories. Mm. Uh, not, well, I mean, not perfectly. I don't yeah. think it's the best at any of those categories. But you think when they come together, they're going to be like oil and water, you know, and like just not mixing. But they mix so well. And they do. They make really good choices about what to keep in and what to ditch. Yeah. And it doesn't feel crammed, yet it's three genres of film that you don't ever see together. So I think that's a real that's a real accomplishment. Yeah. There was a there was a there was a very strong vision for this movie because this could easily just go off the rails, right? right? But there was a very strong like singular vision for the movie and it and it shows. It's it's really well produced and and meshes all of those things into one enjoyable package, right. in my opinion. Yeah, I totally agree. So Want to get this started? Let's talk about this little more detail. 
Sure, sure, yeah. So let's uh, let's dive into the movie that has singing, dancing, and watermelons being used as lethal murder weapons. This is Anna and the Apocalypse. <laughs> Um, so, we are quickly introduced to Anna, John, her dad, Steph, Chris, Lisa. Those are basically the main protagonists of the film. Uh, Anna and John are besties, Chris and Lisa are a couple, Steph's a bit of an oddball, and her dad's the janitor at their school. This is done through a musical number that opens the film, basically cruising through the school. So you've got all the characters, you know, kind of going through the hallways and singing and dancing yep. and talking about what's, what's the what. Um, yep. We'll stop there. So anybody in particular, in terms of the introductions, I mean, it's really evident that like Anna wants more than what's in her small town. It's kind of that kind of trope. Um, yep. Everything else just kind of really sets up who the characters are. Was anything in those performances or that opening number that stood out to you aside from, I was going to mention Nick and Savage after this, but. Yeah. Um, I thought that the song was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that first song um, is actually just, all of the music does does a good job to feed into all of the characters. There isn't a lot of time and there is a lot of ground to cover there because you're using music to tell that story. And I think they, that that works really well for that for that first number. But, um, you know, nothing here that that I wanted to like it, it's setting up character motivations and they're all kind of a little cliched, which absolutely yeah. I, was was was. I mean, not not really a problem with for me. Not really. But there was nothing really. Yeah. But other. Yeah, I mean, all the characters at this point, you know, you kind of just it's the introduction to them all. Hollywood ending is kind of well. Before we get there, there's also the introduction to this character Nick, who's an unlikable asshole, Um, and he's got a very very punchable face. Um, But he's basically the kid that's kind of a bully. Um, he's also kind of a troublemaker. He just seems like he's a lot of, he's basically the, like the cliched bad kid that's at school. Um, and yeah. for some reason or another is a love interest, but we'll get back to that in a second. And then you get yeah. introduced to Savage, who is the, going to be the headmaster of the school that they're in. And they set him up to be a dick right away. He takes Steph's keys. Like he's yeah. not a good dude. It's you can just tell. I mean, if you can't tell by his bastard. like general, creepy ass demeanor him taking the keys and just some of the stuff oh there was that one moment when he's walking through the hallway and then these he's the two kids kissing i've yeah. never seen a teacher or a principal in any school in cinematic history basically stop two people from kissing in such a great way he walks between what them does he he's st- take your tongues out of your mouths or something along no, those. he says he says I think his line is retract your tongue. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> but he screams it at the top of his lungs and just keeps walking. Retract right. your tongues. Retract your tongues. Yeah. Oh god. Oh, that was funny. No, it's good. They had some. They had some good lines. Some good. Some good laughs in the And you thought the that that bully love interest is a punchable face, man. I fucking. I feel hate. like that kid. That was a. Is a good looking kid. I feel like he's gonna be a total fucking. He's gonna be slaying the slaying. I'm not saying that he's not a good-looking person, because the dude is a good-looking dude. I will say that. However, I will say he's got this shit-eating grin that just makes me want to punch him in the face, because he's he's basically got like a... He is the epitome of a snide remark directed at you every time you say something. That's what he is. 
Yeah, his smirk is definitely like, uh, and he's like he's uh, insulting you right. without saying anything. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But the also, yeah. and I mean, so that now we're getting into the Hollywood ending thing. They they basically yeah. that's where they kind of really elaborate on Chris and Lisa's relationship. But they also allude to obviously John has feelings for Anna, which you kind of get a wind of that at the beginning opening, which is break away. Um, but then you also see her kind of looking over to this Nick guy, and I'm like, what the fuck, like. Later yeah. in the film, it's revealed that they have more of a romantic past, but like, yeah. there's nothing to me at that point. There was nothing likable about the, about that character, and for me, that persists right. throughout the film. Even his rede- yeah. his redeeming heroic mov- moment didn't even really play well for me. It was just kind of like that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, they were trying to do something different here, and uh, we'll probably get into it more when we get towards the ending. But they did. This this guy is has has an arc, and they take some. They take some interesting turns in the plot and character that I, when I first saw it, I didn't see coming. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, certain characters you expect to die, don't die. And certain characters you expect to live, don't don't live. And, um, and I think this is setting up that, it's setting, setting that up and setting up your expectations. Um, and they do kind of break away from those expectations. But like you said, there wasn't enough here to make you and, and arguably toward the end, there's not a lot at the end that, you know, makes you want to like this guy. But right. Yeah. Um, so basically in this Hollywood ending type of um, it really sets up it sets up kind of how the film is at that time. And it really sets up how things are going to end, which is kind of interesting. It's kind of foreshadowing how not everyone's going to get that Hollywood ending. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. What else did I want to say about? Did you have anything you wanted to say about that in particular? It sounded like you did. Yeah, I mean, I actually really like this number. Like uh, what they again. This is. I feel like this is a good example of them getting the most for their money because um, they shot in a. You know, like this is a school cafeteria. Looks like a real school that they shot in. Yeah. And they did this dance number in the cafeteria, and it's uh, it's really well done. Like with doing so much with so little. Right. The choreography is really well done. And I believe the character who looks like Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> yeah. And I think she was she was there at Fantastic Fest at Wall, I think. Uh, I think she did the choreography for, also. For the whole film? And some of the music. Oh. Yeah, and some of the music. So um, the choreography is really well done. And it's a, catchy, a very catchy song. And like you said, it's... They're talking about this sort of dramatic, like this melodramatic high school thing, like no such thing as a Hollywood ending. But like you're, like you're right, and basically, I usually am foreshadowing the fact. Uh, I mean, that's arguable. But, uh, um, they're, but they're foreshadowing the fact that not everyone's going to live. Right. Right. <laughs> so, so, but yeah, no. This I think this is one of those standout like uh, choreographed pieces. This is I think this is the biggest one. Yeah. Now usually I think this is like the one with the most people. Right. Now, usually in, in these types of films, I could give a shit less about most of the relationships. However, I was mm-hmm. hook, line, and sinker for Chris and Lisa in this. I don't know why. There's something just kind of weirdly adorable about the two of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's kind of yeah. strange oh, yeah. to say. I but mean... So, th- like, that that whole... The Hollywood ending one sets that up. And then later on in the film... Well, we can kind of go into it, right? Is, you know, after Hollywood ending, everybody kind of diverges into different uh, sections of the film. So you've got uh, John and Anna go to their job at the bowling alley. And then you've Mm -hmm. got Chris and Steph, 
they go to do some, they're investigating something. I can't remember what it was. I don't care. They went off to go do something. They're no longer there. But Chris is supposed to come back and watch Lisa's performance yeah. at this talent show or whatever perform, yeah. Christmas show. Christmas show. Yeah. yeah, Christmas show. He yeah. doesn't show up. And she performs yeah. this musical number. And you can kind of feel, like, it makes you feel like, oh, that's too bad. Like, you feel sad about it. And you're like, holy shit, I think I actually like these characters a lot and their relationship. Yeah, yeah. Now, however, I'm not glossing over that musical number. Because to me, that was the funniest shit in the film. <laughs> it was so overtly raunchy. And oh, seeing all of the people that were viewing this Christmas show was, like, <laughs> amazing. It was It was such a blend of, like, awkward dirty because you've got like some dudes in the crowd just basically ready to just drop it and yeah (laughs) just go to town uh, in a public theater just like uh uh just for you know the the folks listening what she ends up singing is is it's that time of year is that the name of what they call it yeah yeah and it's this it's this song that she sings um, that is a Christmas song about Santa Claus coming and you know dropping off presents, but like oh, it's oh. he's dropping off a few presents, that's for sure. It's very it's super raunchy and super racy. A lot of like a lot of uh, like um, overt like sexual connotations in the song. So so overt. Uh, I think she says at one point her chimney could use a good cleaning or uh, unclogging or unclogging, something. Unclogging, like yeah, yeah. So it's and it's like you know, Santa come and empty your sack like that yeah. kind of thing like, and it's it is really funny because it comes out of nowhere. It comes completely out of nowhere because you have no idea. You just think this is this performance of this cute like Christmas song, and then suddenly like, it starts going off into this territory. And uh, oh man, um, who was who's a free? Oh yeah, the principal Savage is up in the light booth, and he is. <laughs> And freaking out it was re- it's a really well shot sequence because you've got the old principal who's retiring who's like in the crowd just being like yes, <laughs> clapping like these old men are all clapping and they're loving it and the one old lady is like good like giving her the thumbs up it's a funny sequence it's a funny song really well done but they also managed to be economical with that because they're also showing the fact that you know chris isn't there in the seat but at the same time, this really funny song is going on in the background. Exactly. And Savage in that was the best. Because the yeah. whole time, I thought he was like, I thought he was busting a nut. Like, I thought he was like, <laughs> like yeah, talk dirt. Like, I thought he was like going that route. And then yeah, all yeah. of a sudden, he just loses it. I'm like, oh, he's mad. Oh, that's what he's that reaction mad. is. Like, I thought he was getting off on it. Like, that was my yeah. take. And then he clearly wasn't. Or maybe he was. I don't know. I really don't know. I think that's one of the great yeah. mysteries of this film is you don't know whether <laughs> Savage is a pervert or if he's just really, really awful. Or both. That's right. I mean... He's probably both. Probably both. He's I don't think both. that being a pervert doesn't really go with being kind of awful. Yeah. There's there's a, there's moments that might be a here that... No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> there, 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 there are moments here that where they, they're also um, foreshadowing the zombie apocalypse with some radio broadcasts that are in the, the background and, and stuff like that. Um, and uh, and um, the next morning, uh, the musical numbers is like, uh, um, what's it called here? Or Turning My Life Around? Yeah. Is that what that one's... That one is I like that musical number as well because I also think it's it's really well shot um 
she, you know, they're both waking up in the morning and uh, they leave to go to school the next day after the talent show. But they're both uh, the main character. Uh, sorry, I say make Chris. Uh, sorry, they now I've forgotten their names. John and John Anna. and Anna. Yeah, yeah. Anna's name but is in the title be- of the film. Just so you just if you need to refer to it, look at the title of the film. That's who the lead's name is. It's Anna. A N N A. Got it. Gotcha. Nice. I'm I'm here to help, producer. Uh, um anyway so uh they but what they do is they put in their headphones before they leave their house and they're they're singing this song as they're walking so it's like the song they're listening to kind of what they were going for but in the background their entire you know the block has been destroyed the, their car, uh, the cars in, like running into poles, people running out of their houses on fire, dropping out of windows. But they're oblivious. The whole gag here is that they're oblivious to what's happening because they're singing this song because they're so excited about their future. Right. Essentially. Um, and I thought this played really well. This was really fucking funny. I thought like how they how they superimpose these two things. There's one moment when Anna's singing. And she's walking, and it's and it's a long steady cam shot, and there's zombies in the background chasing people. People are trying to like get them like off them, like in mid like intestinal, uh, in you know eating intestines and shit like that. Yeah. But there's one shot from the side where she's walking and singing, and meanwhile this musical is going on. And in the background, there is a dude that falls flat on his face from the second story of his house, just like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, <laughs> just it's this. Really poppy, happy song superimposed with all of this like almost cartoonish violence. Yeah, yeah, around. yeah. So it was, uh, it was, it was well done. I uh, something similar. Well, not really similar to that, but like I like watching like that cra- crazy, grotesque violence over top of a recognizable song. Granted, I'm a Metallica fan, so when I saw them do like that, do you remember the opening in Zombieland when they were playing it oh. over? Ma- no, it was uh, shit. What was it? It was uh, for whom the bell tolls. So, like, when they're doing that, it was hilarious because, like, sorry, now I'm talking about another movie. But, like, if you're looking for good zombie montages, beginning of Zombieland is is the, the way to go. I uh, I like yeah. that a lot. But anyways, I, I digress. Um, yeah, yeah, you do. <laughs> I do. So, at this point, you, you certainly do. John and Anna finally meet up in what was a cemetery, which is oddly fitting. And Odd, they get attacked yeah. by a zombie snowman. Which just randomly <laughs> falls out of nowhere and is dressed as a snowman. I died. Like, I was just like, oh, God, of course he'd be dressed up as a snowman. And they managed to dispatch this snowman in a way that really sets up how great the violence is going to be in this film. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, uh, it is a seesaw. The seesaw decapitation. Yeah, yeah. Not That's a saw. Fantastic. If you don't know what a seesaw is, it's the one where two people sit on either end and she just, boop, and the other end goes, oh, and pop. And he turns into a Pez dispenser. I'm doing a lot of visual <laughs> things, so if you're listening to this, none of that made sense because I just started making a bunch of noises. Um, so it was the uh and the pop, yeah, and the Pez dispenser. Yes, I think. Yes. Yeah, yeah. that's an, that's enough to go on. They know exactly what happened. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so she she decapitates the snowman, uh, and they have a good gag where the snowman's head is still. She's like, oh, you know, it can't be a zombie. <laughs> Yeah. And you look over and this head is still like, you know, screaming and gagging on the ground and still alive. So Which, really funny stuff. Great dialogue. This is one of the only films I can think of where decapitating decapitating the zombie doesn't really... Well, no, maybe that's not true. 
It's one of the ones I can think of of, me, of recent memory. Usually decapitating them, that's game over. You don't have the get the, right. the the head and stuff still working. Yeah, um, I think that was done just for this gag, and because of that, I, I actually think it was totally worth it. Oh, yeah, it, that's it, a good it point. Gets, it's a big laugh. It's a big laugh when it goes back to this zombie, <laughs> and she's like, oh, it's not a zombie, and the head is still like moving around on the ground. True. Um, and this is a good example of them using the holiday setting to their advantage. Because what haven't we really seen? We haven't seen a zombie dressed as a snowman or as a Santa Claus or, you know, like stuff like that, you know. So they, so it's not like the Christmas setting is forgotten. It's actually, it is still used and used in an interesting way. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I enjoyed that. That really set the tone for the violence, that whole, the tracking shots, and then this scene where you're like, whoa, now you're getting the zombie aspect of this this uh, melting pot of a movie. And, you know, it comes together really well. I was all set. I was really pumped when I saw this scene. I'm like, okay, this is, this is cool. I like this. It's a good way to set it up. It's like, basically, like, guess what? This is where the zombies start. And that, it's, well, I guess you could say that about um, turning my life around. But I feel like that's where the fight starts. That's kind of like yeah. the, the action bits are there. Um, yeah. So at this point, like, so you've got the you've got the characters that were at the Christmas show are still at the school. That's going to be the end goal, mm -hmm. but that's really all that you need to know about that. And then um, I think Anna and Chris just basically decide to go to the bowling alley because that place is safe. He has keys, so they'll be safe there until they can figure out what yep. to do. They get there and they yep. find that Steph and Chris have also gone there as well, and the back door was randomly open. Um, yeah. Then they have the rumble at the. Um, at the bowling alley, the bowling which alley. was great. Yeah. Like it was, I thought it was pretty. They, good. You, it was kind of like a kid designed like a fight scene between zombies and human beings, and they just yeah. played it out. Like you've got guys hitting each other, hitting them with the bowling pins and the bowling balls. Um, yeah, they get that one great shot of the guy picking up the two bowling balls yeah. and just smashing the zombie's head. I'm like, well, there's something I've never seen before. And <laughs> then the, you know, the thing that got me was when the fuck when the. Um, uh, what was it? I think it was Steph managed to decapitate one of them in some way. I didn't catch how it happened. No, no, it's, it's it was the thing that comes you know down. It is. It's the thing. So the bowling thing that comes down to reset and the pins. pushes yeah, and resets the pins and pulls the pins back. It comes down on the zombie's head, cuts his head off, and then later, in in a shot, you see the head come through the area where the bowling balls can come through. Yeah. That was amazing. That would that was like that really did it for me. It was very imaginative. Funny, however, I really don't think that the head of a zombie would roll so well down that thing. It had stopped halfway. It was unrealistic, is all I'm saying. I feel like somebody at you know should have looked into that a little bit more. That's all I'm saying. You're just the worst, Justin. Get what? You're just the worst. I'm just saying they're production people. If they had production people like the Welcome to Your Doom show has, they would have thought about that and come up with something that would have explained how that head rolled so elegantly down that bowling lane, was majestically picked up by the bowling ball picker-upper thing, and distributed amongst the other bowling balls for one to pick up and roll down. Don't you look at me with that blue light. Fuck. <laughs> I I I agree with you, but for the sake of the film, I would say that uh, that that scene. Oh, shut me, up! That definitely now, made me laugh. Anyways, they get out of the bowling alley. <laughs> <laughs> so they basically spend the night, and they get out in the stupidest way possible. 
um, which was yeah, funny. This was this was pretty dumb. It was dumb, uh, and it was it was kind of funny. But uh, uh, w- before they get out, they have the they have the song, the Human Voice song, which I actually thought was pretty good. True. Um, yeah, I forgot to mention that. Go that's ahead. the one. It's where they uh, they realize that the army um, isn't going to save them, and uh, and they uh, and the song. I think this is one of the first songs that has like a like a distinct style. Like they're they're using a a, a popular style. I think this is kind of like their electronic Daft Punk sort of uh, style. Like all there's a lot of synths and it's very like um, pulsating. I guess you would say it's kind of like a it's very much like a Daft Punk song and and it's talking about. Uh, um, it's something that connects connects with me because I'm old and cranky. Um, That's right. It's kind of like it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of like you're not going to argue with that. No, no, I'm. No, we're in no, full I'm, agreement I'm, on this I'm, one. <laughs> okay, um, but uh, a human voice. Me, they're kind of like all looking at their phones and their computers and talking about how they're disconnected from reality and and it comes with this realization that you know. Um, when they're cut off from the world and the internet is down, <laughs> they started. They start thinking this way that you know they haven't. Like I need to be able to talk to someone, right? And I need to be able to communicate with them without looking at this screen. And it's kind of this. It's this mis- mishmash of, oh, we're totally we're totally effed in the A because you know you know the the army isn't going to save us, but also this sort of commentary on uh, how we communicate uh, today. So uh, I, I liked it. I definitely liked it for that. It's definitely on my get off my lawn playlist on Google Music. <laughs> Grumpy so. old man. Um, <laughs> you know, with the whole ball pit thing as a defense, what I was really hoping for was that they were just going to like walk through with it and all of the zombies would just kind of be going at them, but kind of just bump off because they were too bump stupid up. to do anything yeah. with it. But it didn't yeah, go that well. They didn't though. do it. I guess. They didn't go that way. Yeah. But yeah. then at that point, I guess how imposing could zombies be if a ball pit's really going to stop them? <laughs> Like yeah, oh, right. inflated right. plastic! I can never get through this. Yeah, so they they take the ball, the inflatable ball pit, put it over their heads, and they're walking outside, and um, and and uh, <laughs> they had this funny scene where a zombie sits on top and starts peeing on the top of the ball tent. Ah, it was it, you're, it, you didn't like that? I didn't think it was a, really that funny. I mean, I had a chuckle, but like, I was more thinking about you know. How? Along the lines of uh, nitpicky, Mr. Nitpicky Johnson, I'm like, how well do these zombies' bowels work? They're dead, so what are they pushing through? That's it's a very good really point. Gross, it's probably really gross, like disgusting, like you know, you know, post mortem excretions. That's probably. I I was thinking more about how much do I think that somebody would pay to let that happen to them. There's got to be a business Usually, for it somewhere. There's, I mean, people are into weird yeah, shit, man. Probably, probably in Japan somewhere. Ooh. But uh, anyway, so, <laughs> um, yeah. So, so then they meet. Uh, they they are saved by uh, the shit eating grin guy. <laughs> <laughs> Can we call him that instead of Nick the whole time? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. He he comes in and sort of saves them, yeah. and in the most uh, unlikable gets... way possible. I just everything he does does just I don't like him. He's just yeah. not a likable character. That's and and they're and that's all they're doing at this point with that character. They're making you not like them, but I think they go too far. They uh, at least for you, they've gone too far down that side of the hill to come back up. Um, 
but this song, Soldier at War, I have been crushing this song. I added it to my like playlist. It's in rotation because basically this is like an eight, a big 80s ballad song. Like this song could be in Transformers the movie. It's like this like electric, like old 80s, like like um electric guitar and uh and uh what do you call it like uh like the drum kit on this thing and it's just it's such a catchy song i absolutely love it and the lyrics are great they're really really good to this song um so i really enjoyed this in this and this is where the guy uses two watermelons to kill to kill a zombie and i'm like there's something i've never seen it's so gratuitous um, not only does the zombie i don't think you even see any gore i think you just see the no, two watermelons it's... explode and that's all you need you're like he the got guy's him. just like yeah the guy's just like i oh, screaming in slow motion and the watermelon guts are coming up into his face you know what is better is after they do that shot he looks down and all he has is two crushed things and the zombie's head is completely fine. <laughs> he just lunges at the camera. He lunges at him. Yeah, that would have been pretty good too. Yeah, because I mean, if um, I'm being a stickler, let's say for the sake of argument, I don't think that would kill the zombie. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. They should have contacted their local, like, uh, you know, physics major, have him on set. Or just me. Oh. Dicks aren't allowed on set, Justin. What is a dickless set? Come on, man. Did you see Savage? He was allowed on set. If anybody else, if, <laughs> he, he's the first acting, person. Man, huh? He's acting. I could act. Drinking with skeletons, <laughs> episode number two. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> <You> fuck. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think this is the best song on the entire on the entire soundtrack. Really? Okay, I yeah. can see that. I yeah, I don't know for sure. Give it another listen. I, I will. I will. I will. That's. I'm not. Uh, no complaints there, or no. I'm not going to disagree with you. I did really like it's that time of year though, because it just made me laugh so much. But Soldiers of oh, War yeah, was definitely sure. a good. F- I. You know what? I planned to actually listen to the album today. I didn't get a chance, so I'm living vicariously yeah. through you and your <laughs> grumpy self. Uh, um. So I guess after the. You know the soldiers at war um, uh, ballad, eighties ballad, yeah. uh, is when they pretty much arrive at the school. They fight their way through Christmas tree lot, I guess. They lose all the other jobber friends of Nick's, but then out of nowhere, and I, I mean, I, I wouldn't say I saw this coming, but I wasn't so, like I wasn't overtly surprised that John was the one that bites the dust. Um, yeah, so he's a uh, he's so he's the one that's kind of in love with Anna, and it, the story really has been f- focused a lot on on them at the beginning, and he gets bitten and completely, he doesn't just get dealt out. He gets, yeah, he goes he out in a blaze mobbed. of glory though, because he try he basically forces, you know, his way through guard shielding <laughs> Anna with his body yeah. and gets her through. Yeah. However, at that point. I think I didn't feel bad that he died because in my eyes, it was basically a mercy killing. Sure, sure. Like he'd already been bitten. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it was a mercy killing because that man had no more reason to live. He got friend zoned so hard in that cartwheeling scene that I was physically hurt. 
In fact, okay, so- <laughs> I would have been more happy if not only did that not he not get bit, he used Anna as a human shield, got her bit, threw her down, crossed out Anna in the apocalypse, and put John in the apocalypse, and was like, that's what's up. That's what's happening right now. Oh my god, you're absolutely right. I totally forgot about that. Because that actually gets a visible groan from the audience, where she's like, we're, like, we're just friends and he's like, yeah. And she's like, no, we're just friends. and Or you're my best friend. Best friend. Yeah. And he's just like, oh. That's when he just goes, just like, switch. Like, you're pushing me now, yes. bitch. <laughs> yeah. If you're not going to be with me, at least push push me in this push me in this grocery cart. <sighs> and and to her credit, she didn't even bat an eye. She's like, yeah, yeah, she that's did. right. I kind of just. She's like, she's like, yeah. Shattered your heart. Yeah, so I'll, 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 I'll give you it. a push. Yeah, no, that that's a that's a that's a groan worthy scene for sure. And you're just yeah, I definitely feel for the guy. Yeah. Um, even though it's like a tied tried tested into trope, it's just it that's what I'm saying. Like they don't like these character arcs aren't uh new, but they're executed well. Like they're tropes that are executed well and they're enjoyable because the wrapping, like the things that surround this movie are so unique. Yes, yeah. And they the, don't the, need to reinvent the wheel with the characters. Right. To your point, yeah, it's nothing new, but I wouldn't say it was predictable. I, like I said, I, seeing that John was gonna die, I was like, well, yeah, I get it, but it's not like I didn't see that coming at all. Like I was, I, I figured right, he was right. gonna be the leading guy until the end, and that was not the case at all. But yeah. you know, when it happened, I'm like, oh, I guess that makes sense, and you know, he gets to go down and not have to deal with his friend zone bullshit anymore. Yeah, he should have been the zombie check. that got Anna, not that one yeah. got one, but. Anyways, after he got friend zoned, he just he was just like he was just like holding his arm in front of random zombies and we're like, here, bite me, put me in my misery. <laughs> Better than yet, he just takes the golf or the the shopping cart, and just wheels it right into the zombies, just like, eh, yeah, like I'm done. See ya. That was yeah, my only so reason to this... live. That whole the the breakaway song or no the what's it called that time of the year song, turning my life around. That was the one. That was all about yeah. her, and he's just like, man, fuck it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then they go, they get to the school, right? Uh, so so John John has died, and, and that's pretty. Actually, it was pretty unpredictable. Like I didn't see that one coming. Yep. And then they get to the school, and there was a subplot in the school of the principal just kind of going on, like losing his shit, trying to control the situation. Everybody wants to leave. They try to leave, and right. that's where you leave the people in the school, right? And you don't know what happens to them. Uh, but when they get there, it turns out the principal had opened the doors because nobody was listening to him. And he just like, his everybody should stay in the school. I'm the headmaster now. Like that kind of complex he's got going on. And um, turns out everyone's been, uh, everyone, you know, all their parents have become zombies. But uh, the the girl who sang the Santa number, still alive. Yeah, she survived. Um, she survived. Yeah. And, uh, and what happens then? They go, they need to find the keys to the car right. to get out of there. And Anna goes to find her uh, father. father. That's right. Yeah. Um, that's right. So now, which one of these do you want to talk about first? Well, first I want to talk quickly about nothing's going to stop me now. Savages, m- m- uh, savages. Oh. So <laughs> holy God, like I didn't think the guy could be even creepier. And I saw him slowly morphing into like a cartoon villain. It was oh, pretty dude. great. 
Um, He's a total Looney Tune in there. And this is another great example of them working with what they had because they have this crazy lighting even during the I Need a Human Voice. It's kind of things blowing up and flares going off in the distance, but they don't actually show that. They just show the kids looking out the window and having the light uh, bounce off of them. Yeah. And it gives it a grand scale without, you know, actually having to, to show anything to show anything yeah yeah so um so uh the the uh they do the same thing here in a small room yeah they kind of they kind of uh, uh have the the right lighting that energetic editing all of that stuff and it turns out really great yeah and they really they let him loose they just pulled the cord on that motherfucker they let him loose he was very physical like i was surprised at just how physical he was in his performance like he's jumping yeah. off of things and yeah. fucking like just just hanging off walls i was yeah. like god damn this i don't know if bill nye he That's could right. do that <laughs> That's what you're thinking. it's perfect <laughs> yeah pretty yeah. rambunctious That's right um but yeah, that was a great musical number. But now you've got these two subplots. One is the key hunt, one is the yep. dad hunt. So the key hunts, I mean, basically you got to go to Savage's office and get the keys yep. that were confiscated earlier in the film yep. for Steph's car. Um, however, they get there and obviously the room is full of zombies. So how do they get around these zombies? Well, apparently they have a field of vision like the characters Puppet from Master. Puppet Master. Drinking with Skeletons, episode number two. And, yeah, very, very like narrow field of vision. And... Um, if you crawl under their field of vision, yeah. you're golden. And I thought that was great. I thought it was a pretty cool idea. Um, I actually thought they just needed to write their way out of a problem. I, I didn't think it was particularly great. I thought they were like, oh, shit, like, we don't really have any ideas here. <laughs> Let's. I, th I, I, th I disagree with you. Um, I think that it's very easy to distract, to write in a way to distract the zombies. You can just take something and throw it in the corner. They all look and start going to a corner, and then you walk in. The Walking Dead's done shit like that. This was at least something creative that actually kind of makes sense. Right. I mean, you could argue that they could smell them or whatever other bullshit you want to do, or yeah, that they yeah. can, you know, use use their eyes above a certain angle. Well, I think um, I think the zombie was actually looking at the Christmas decorations because they're shiny, and that's how they figure out yes, the TV. That too. The TV distracts them. So I like that more when they turn the TV on. Everyone's watching the television. The zombies are distracted. Then they, you right. know, they kind of crawl underneath. Um, I like yeah. that. The initial go at it, though, it didn't seem like there was any real reason for them not to not to be seen. Um, yeah, but, but yeah, no, I mean, like, it's a small a small nitpick I have. You're so nitpicky now. So they get the, <laughs> so they get the keys then, right? And uh, this is one of the moments where I almost started crying. I'm not kidding. Yeah, it was when the two uh, Chris and Lisa get bit. Yeah. Um, at that point, I don't know how this movie did it, but to their credit, they got me on board with their relationship and I could not get off, you know, off yeah. board. It was good. It was exceptionally good. So that them actually getting uh, bit and uh, eventually becoming zombies um, totally, again, got caught me off guard. I had no idea that they were going to do that. And... Uh, I was really surprised to see that. And it is a touching sort of emotional moment where they tell um, uh, Scarlet, Scar Joe lookalike to just go because they're basically, their goose is cooked. And um, it's really, again, like just really well shot, well edited. Music for that moment was really great and it, and it works. Uh, yeah, in my opinion. It, was, it was touching. Yeah, in my opinion, yeah. it definitely works. 
It was sad. Now I'm getting sad thinking about it. God damn it. Yeah, it was um, it was a sad scene. And and there's still more sad scenes to come, so uh Yeah, just arguably the sadder one. Yeah. That's um right. So yeah, so at that point the keys have been claimed and Steph mm. gets away. Chris and Lisa are left to their fates. Meanwhile, Nick and Anna are desperately trying to find her father. And this is where Nick and Anna's relationships kind of revealed. It turns out Nick's not as big. Not Nick hasn't. Apparently they had sex, but Nick never yeah. told anybody about it. Or according to yeah. him, I don't trust his fucking face. But it got and out basically. It got out exactly. Yeah. And uh, you know, people have talked. Whatever. Basically, saying it wasn't him. And a bunch of zombies break through, and he tries to kind of sacrifice himself for her, or at least basically distract the zombies so she can yeah. go and find her dad. Yeah. Um, so now it's just Anna. She's got her awesome, which we haven't actually mentioned anything about, but her weapon is basically a spiked candy, candy cane. cane. Yeah, it's the one it's that's like, that sticking to the ground, except she's just using the spiked end to just dump yeah. some zombies. I and, used to get uh, yelled at anytime I sharpened the end of a, a, a of a candy cane when I was eating it, that I'd put my brother's eye out with it. Apparently you can do that, if it's big enough. Yeah, well, she put out many eyes and stomachs and uh jaw bones all yeah <laughs> all out with it and yeah. she she finds her she finds her dad tied up very unconvincingly to a chair and uh <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of like one of those things where they're like all right just put some put some rope on him don't actually tie him up and yeah. just have him squirm it's, around in the chair it's just, like oh i can't i can't get out it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like dude just just dude just stand up <laughs> okay you didn't even use duct tape you didn't even yeah. try <laughs> yeah just stand up um so yeah so so and then that's where you get like uh like the big like the big uh last big number of the movie I it's think. the boss fight it's yeah, the, the boss, boss fight, fight of the film yeah, yeah that's yeah. right and uh you know you, you get a good montage of um anna you know dispatching zombies and then when she actually gets up to the stage it's, you know, she kind of battles, what's his name, for uh, Savage for a bit, but then it's the Savage and Father fight that, yes. you know, is kind of the coup de grace of the whole, yeah. the whole scene. Um, they, oh, it's a callback as well. They dispatch Savage with a callback from the play where the, uh, or setting up for the play where that star hits him and knocks him in. I thought that was kind of cool because I'd I seen that earlier. I'm like, that's going to come back for sure. Yeah. Like, it yeah. kind of alluded, but... Um, but then it's revealed that her dad gets bit on the leg and you get a really touching scene between Anna and her father, Tony, I think his name is. Yeah. God damn it. That was the other thing that made me almost cry. I was like, cause again, these guys' performances are incredible. They're just so good. They're so Um, good. If I'm like the old curmudgeon get off my lawn of this dynamic duo, then, then you're going to be like this sentimental, like crybaby of this, <laughs> this duo, because man, you, yeah, I, I imagine I never looked over to see what was going on next to me, but if I looked over, it's just gonna be you just sobbing to yourself, <laughs> <laughs> just sob, like every minute of this movie, just sobbing I, to yourself. I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. When I was choking, choking back uh, a tear or two, I definitely thought about. It. I'm like. You cut that shit out. If he looks over, he's never gonna let you hear the end of this. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But you're but you're right. Again, like another really well done, well done scene. We kind of skimmed over the whole uh action bit of Anna dispatching all of the, the all of the zombies in that. Sure, let's talk that. about it. Um some great stuff in there. 
uh, like it's choreo some of it's choreographed to the music. She took when she ties her hair back. I thought that was a really good moment, um, and uh, like well, like really well shot, convincing. Um, yeah, no, just like I just wanted to give a shout out to like a really sort of well done musical action set piece. Um, right. Well done. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then they then they basically hightail it out of there. The the father waits it out on stage for the change to yeah. come, and uh, they get stuck out there. And it is a depressing song when they get out there. That that was what that was really surprising when I first saw the movie. It's they're out there and a lot of it's slow motion. They're getting surrounded by zombies. What's the final number called? Do you have it in here? Uh, uh, I don't have it in there. No, I can't remember the name of it, but. Yeah, it, it was extremely touching on my end too. That was actually a, that would be a third part I almost yeah. drew a tear at was not not the couple the zombie couple at that point I was I was like yeah there's zombies and they oh, still yeah, kind of have, have this, feelings they kind of have they have that little montage. brushing thing that they do I thought that um, was really the, good really good like it, they have it was a good montage, montage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 but the thing that the thing that was the most heart wrenching thing in there for me was the um, the father dropping the phone there's something about that picture of Anna yeah it seems like the picture that every father would have of their daughter that's in, yeah like, yeah you know what I mean like. Yeah. It, it, you know, smiling kind of dynamic and mm. it's just really relatable. Like, yeah. I'm sh like my dad has a picture of my sister like that somewhere on his phone for sure. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's just, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's something, man. It's something, yeah, but it was they, uh, really well done. Do you have the name of the song? No, I know. I didn't, I didn't look it up because uh, it is, it's a good, it's a good song, but it's also, it's all, it's really sad. I just remember being yeah. like, oh, this is a real fucking downer. And, um, yeah. because, because the part that the, 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 the zombie couple that, um, what were they? Chris and, uh, Chris and Lisa, Chris and, Chris and Lisa, uh, brushing by and touching hands briefly as zombies. I thought that was nice. And I actually really liked John's, um, because he's been, he's half eaten which is like so grotesque and he's a zombie and the way they acted like his zombieisms are really good the the jerky sort of movement they were doing really well done uh but then he's like in in, in time with the music he he turns on his christmas sweater which has all these lights in it it's hinting at the fact that these zombies have some kind of memory there's some there's something in there um and uh, i liked that it was it wasn't overt because it's not yes. like the two zombie couples come in, like embrace each other. They kind of shamble by each other, but you can see their hands like just touching. And I thought it was really well done, really held back on the melodrama there. Like, even though it's a dramatic scene, but they, but the, the idea there was, it has to be subtle and it was really well done. Really well done. Agreed. Um, yeah. But then yeah. Steph comes to the rescue. They all get in the car and drive off into the sunset. And that's, right. that's pretty much the end of the film. So it ends on a very somber, sad note, whereas it yeah. starts happy and bubbly. Yeah. Like that was kind of a weird contrast for me. It was hard yeah. to kind of grasp. And then for good measure, I sh almost shat myself with their final jump scare. Oh. Son of a bitch. Because that, <laughs> that that little thing, the, the tarp the, the that had whatever tarp. on there, so I, was, I was trying says. to... Yeah. It's well. That's the thing is, it's hard to see it. And I was like, maybe it says. It looks like it says "Merry Christmas." And then when it's going by, I'm like, what does that say? Jesus Christ! That zombie Santa Claus. <laughs> that's right. Like, and, and you're right. Now that I think, about I had a it, big reaction to that. They do yeah. that on purpose. They actually oh. they make it unreadable, so everyone's. It's like the one of those. It's a standard internet trick for those movies or little videos where they're like, oh. 
see what happens when the car comes around this other side of the tree and everyone's really looking and then a jump scare comes up. So it was kind of a cheap jump scare, but it, it got me. I was <laughs> second time. I forgot. I'd forgotten it was there. Um, just one word on the ending. Uh, oh, I don't even think we mentioned it, but uh, shit eating grin guy still alive. Yes. Yeah. So he we makes didn't it really, out. So he makes it out and they're kind of rebuilding their relationship, but that's what the whole, they're subverting a lot of those things. John, the original love interest who gets rebuked by Anna dies, the couple dies and you're like, Oh wow. I was really kind of expecting them to live. And I was expecting this shit eating grin guy to die and he doesn't. So I kind of like the way they played with the audience's expectations, but with his character, I think maybe they went too far down the shit eating grin side and not enough down the heroic side. Um, yeah. So it's, yes, I legitimately it, didn't want to see him there in the end of the film. I was like, you motherfucker. Like, what are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> I just, I didn't like, I, he's not a likable character. And I think that, I don't think it's his fault as a performer. I think he put in a very good performance. It's yeah. just that they gave him too much of, they didn't give him enough redeeming qualities or heroic qualities. Like him saying, I had to kill my dad. Not really a heroic quality. Like yeah. it kind of is. It kind of is. I'm, don't get me wrong in the yeah. context, but at the same time, what else were you gonna do? Like, yeah, I, I, I think they, they really wanted to subvert that cliche, so they tried really hard to make you dislike him, to think he was going to die, and I think they just, they just put too much material there. Yeah, it was too top yeah, heavy. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes. But there's a moment at the end that I, I very much like where they're like, where are we going to go now? And that's what they ask in the car. And they all kind of look at Anna because Anna was the one that was going to leave to begin with. And she couldn't leave and her dad wanted her to go to university. And But now it's kind of open. They can make their own decisions. And it's kind of still has that mirror of graduating from high school where you're like now, like the world is basically opened up. Anything can happen. You can make your own decisions. So in a, in a weird way, it is kind of an uplifting ending. They all kind of have a little smirk at the end where they're like, we can do we can do whatever we want. And that was kind of our original intent. So I do like where they left the movie in that way. They didn't have to say anything. I don't think anything's actually said at the end. They just kind of ask the question and then and drive off. But uh, but I did like that. It was a it was a it was a good way to sort of wrap up that that theme of of choice and freedom. So, right. Um, but yeah, no, I really enjoy that movie. You guys should listen to the soundtrack. It's really good. Um, uh, a good follow up to it. If you guys, if you're listening and you are not a Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan, mm -hmm. good follow up to this film would be the episode called Once More with Feeling, where it's a it's also a musical. And it's aware that it's a musical, which is interesting. So they'll all of a sudden break out into song and dance, and then after be like, "Why the, why the hell did we just break out into song yeah. and dance?" Right. And be like, "Wait, is this happening everywhere?" And then you look outside, and somebody's getting a ticket on their car written up, and they'll be like, "I didn't see the sign. <laughs> I had to park here really quick." Like they, yeah. it was just like this silly thing that they're yeah. completely like, "No, yeah, everybody's affected. We're in a musical. What the hell's going on?" Yeah. So if you like musicals that are in a very strange kind of environment, that's another good follow up to this film. I'll recommend that. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we pretty much I pretty much said everything I wanted to say about this film in that in in the plot uh, synopsis that we just did. I think it's a, I, I think it's a movie that I, I would strongly suggest people who don't even like horror films to see it. There's something it's 
like I said, my wife does not enjoy them, and she actually enjoyed this movie. So um, I recommend folks who don't typically watch this type of fare to, to, to take, take the plunge. Try it out. In, in the very least, you will see something that is extremely unique. Yeah. And it's not overtly, like, there's gore, but it's not, like, it's it's obviously fun kind of gore. Yeah. It's nothing yeah. that's, like, graphically, like, it's not like Hellraiser. Like, yeah, yeah. first two minutes of Hellraiser, I had to turn off. This is more campy and fun. Like, it yeah, has fun right. with it. That's right. Yeah, so, I, yeah, I can't recommend this film more. Uh, I think it's going to be a regular on my Christmas watch list every single year, especially when it comes out on Blu-ray, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm going to pick it up on Blu-ray as well. Yep. No doubt. And in the apocalypse, folks, check it out um, at a theater near you. You might have to do some searching because it's a pretty limited release, but definitely worth it. And whenever it comes out on video, video on demand, Blu-ray, whatever, pick it up because it is dope, dope Scottish film. Scottish film. Yeah. One last thing I wanted to mention. The director, I mentioned the director was at, uh, was at uh, Fantastic Fest. He, uh, when we were, you know, having drinks after, um, I have this picture with him. He's wearing a hat and he's wearing a Green Lantern hat. I'm like, yes. I think, I think I like you more now. So just thought <laughs> I'd throw that in there. It was a, it was a fun time. It was a fun time. So good people, good movie. Check Watch it out. It. Watch it. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been Justin. This is Otto. And thank you, folks, for listening and or watching. Have a good one. Cheers. <laughs>